It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome to the This Week in Rays Baseball Podcast. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, welcome to our first podcast from Port Charlotte, where the Rays have been working out for a little over a week now. The first exhibition game for the Rays is on Friday night in Fort Myers. And joining us now, a guy who's been here every step of the way in Port Charlotte, starting to get comfortable, but not yet bored, I don't think. That's Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Topper, thanks for a few minutes. Anytime. You know, following you around, it's hard to get bored. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm a tough follow. Um, let's start with uh, some things for the Rays that you are following. And I thought probably one of the more interesting things in this first week was not Kevin Cash addressing the group, that Kevin Kiermeyer followed him and decided to speak to the team because that's rare for him. Yeah, and I think that's part of uh, you're seeing you know, the natural evolution and maturation of Kevin Kiermeyer. I mean, he's been around for a few years now. I mean, he's obviously one of their most successful marketing players. Evan Longoria said the other day, you know, he's now one of the faces of the team. And, you know, I think you saw Kevin Kiermaier speak up from what we were told. It didn't last very long, but it was, you know, man a few words, the outlaw in his style. But I think it was very effective. And the point being that, you know, he came to the big leagues to play in the postseason in 2013, and he misses that. And, you know, to make sure that all these guys realize, you know, how special that is and that this team has now gone three years without being back, and they want to get there. And certainly a focus of that from Kevin Cash's standpoint is fundamentals. And Kevin Kiermaier touched on this team has to be more of a team, not individuals having success. Yeah, and you know, I think play smarter, play better. I mean, you can you can kind of put those together, and and you know, you hear a lot of that of you know everything has to go right, everybody has to play more as a team, and a lot of those are spring cliches. But I think this is a team where you specifically can point to some moments. You know, last season, and and we know, in fact, uh, on Monday that they had a special focus on base running, for example, where Rocco Baldelli spoke to the team and just to kind of get them, you know, simple things. I mean, anticipate situations, be aware of where guys are playing, and it's stuff that makes sense, but when they're playing at that major league level, that game's a lot faster and a lot harder than it looks to us. No doubt. Certainly a lot easier from the seats, whether they're in the press box or in the stands than they are on the field. Now, another way for the Rays to get better is to stay healthy. And first, the Rays have to get to that point. And that's something we're going to be following in spring training because there are a handful of guys who may very well be held back at least the first few games. Yeah, I I think absolutely. In fact, I'll be surprised if, you know, during this first, you know, even maybe week of games that we see anywhere close to all the regulars. I don't think uh, from what I'm hearing, you're not going to see Matt Duffy for several weeks. I don't think you'll see Steven Souza Jr., Colby Rasmus. Uh, both those guys are coming off surgery. Logan Morrison coming off surgery. Malik Smith, that wasn't a surgery, but he had came back from winter ball with some tightness. They want to make sure there's no oblique issue there. And I think we'll even see some other guys. And, you know, Sean Tolleson hasn't really thrown yet. He's got a little bit of back issue, and they just want to be sure. So spring training's a week or so longer this year, Neil. The games start earlier thus. And I think the Rays and many other teams are taking a smart approach, which is yeah, maybe disappointing to people coming to the games. You know, that, that you know, on that first spring training game in February, I think they're going to see the regular players. But the Rays have to do this, what they think is right. And, you know, what they've been saying from you know, top to bottom of the organization is the idea is to get these guys ready for April 2nd. And that's what they're shooting for. No doubt. Although there are a couple of players who are getting ready for March. And what I mean by that is the World Baseball Classic. 
Uh, you've got three, potentially four players who could participate, depending on how long some of the teams end up playing. They're all pitchers, so they are maybe on a slightly different schedule, or are they? Well, you'd think so, and and you know certainly you know talking to Chris Archer about it, he's you know I, I guess you would have to say the most prominent, even though Alex Colome obviously is very important too. But you know being a starting pitcher, I think there's a little more focus on you know how much difference that World Baseball Classic preparation will lead to, you know the amping up, the being ready to throw, even though there's pitch limits. I think it's only human nature that he's going to be throwing. Archer will be with much more intensity in that game at Miami in a full house against maybe the Dominican Republic or whomever he faces than he would here in Port Charlotte, you know, facing the Twins on a sunny afternoon. So they want to be prepared for that. They want to be sure. You know, column A, it's a little different with a reliever. But, but again, that intensity, that's the difference. It's not necessarily the workload, but it's the intensity with which they do the work that is most concerning. And, and Kevin Cash was very honest the other day. He said he'd love to watch it. He wants to watch his guys. He wants them to do well, but he's going to you know, be cringing at each pitch too. I think every manager is doing the same uh, for all 30 clubs during the course of the WBC. Great exhibition for baseball, but again, you want to make sure guys are ready for the regular season. In terms of this regular season, the Rays did add a pitcher this week and Tommy Hunter. For next season, more than likely, they added Nathan Ovaldi. Give us your take on both. I thought they were interesting and certainly have the potential to be very helpful additions. Yeah, I mean, starting with Tommy Hunter, and, and that's interesting because the Rays have been after him for a couple of years now. I mean, I remember hearing before last spring, and I think even the spring before that, they've been trying to get him. Uh, just, you know, a, a solid guy, a bullpen guy, throws hard, you know, when healthy, can be a valuable guy. You know, he's pitched, I think, as a starter. He's pitched as a late-inning guy. He's pitched as a middle-inning guy. I think he can do pretty much anything that's necessary. And, you know, Kevin Cash was very excited to have him. They actually played together in the minor leagues, and, uh, I think he can be an addition. He's on a minor league deal, so it's not guaranteed, but I assume, you know, that he's got some provisions where if he's not added, you know, he could be released, you know, get his release, excuse me, or, or get the bonus to stay. I mean, so I think the idea is Tommy Hunter is going to pitch in the big leagues. Now, Nathan Evaldi, a little different situation, and, and really a truly a credit to the Rays medical staff led by Ron Porterfield because rehabbing from Tommy John surgery, he's going to miss the whole year. You know, obviously had a number of places and other teams interested in him. And he said he, you know, specifically wanted to come to the Rays because he heard of the quality of their program. You know, Chase Whitley is a friend of his. He just rehabbed Tommy John, a former Yankee right there. Obviously, we see Alex Cobb pitching. So, you know, that, that really speaks to the reputation that the Rays have from a medical standpoint. But, you know, I think from a Valdi standpoint, too, it's an opportunity. And the way his contract is structured, I've seen what the bonuses are, Neil. And he's got a pretty good setup if they pick up his option for 2018 where he could make a lot of incentive money either as a starter or as a late-inning reliever. So obviously there's some talk of going both ways there. No doubt. And either way, he's well under market value if he performs well. I mean, if you're getting five, even if he hits every incentive, if it's $5 million as a reliever or $5.5 million as a starter, that's well below what most teams would have to pay. He is, and, and that's, yeah, that's the gamble. That's the risk-reward. Risk we see the Rays do that quite often uh, with players, and some of the guys even that we talked about earlier, like a guy like Colby Rasmus, they got for less money than he might have gotten on the market had he been fully healthy. He's coming off a couple surgeries, and we see that happen more often with pitchers. In this case, it's basically an investment. The Rays are going to give uh, him $2 million this year to rehab with the idea that if all goes well, they'll pick pick up his option, and then they'll have him for two million plus the chance for three or three and a half million in incentives in eighteen. That is for eighteen, but already here in seventeen, you did your first take on the potential raise twenty seventeen roster. Give us kind of your take on how you came to what you came with. 
Wow, easy for you to say. Uh, yeah, I think in the infield, yeah, we're, we're under the expectation that Brad Miller is going to successfully make this move to second base. The Rays really want him to. And, you know, realistic, I think he'd have to be really, really bad to not do it because that's going to make this thing fit together better. So they can have Morrison at first, Miller at second, Duffy at short, Longoria at third, Beckham and Franklin as the backup infield. There's a lot of versatility there. I think we're going to see at some point this spring Tim Beckham in the outfield. And then if you had both Nick Franklin and Tim Beckham with the ability to play anywhere on the field, essentially, first, second, third, short, left, right, center, or even if not center because they've got some options there, but to play those positions, that makes them both really valuable. So I think that's pretty set. The outfield, you know, I think we know Dickerson, Rasmus, Kiermaier, Souza is going to be on the team. One of the questions there is Malik Smith. You know, they really love the idea of having that speed and having Kiermaier and Smith together. On the roster you refer to, I think maybe Rasmus won't quite be ready opening day, so you put Malik Smith on there. Brings you the pitching staff. I think we know who the five starters are. We think Matt Andrees is going to be the fifth starter. The bullpen's a little bit of a piece together there, but where I think where you were leading to is what I did with the catchers. And I went ahead and took right now the guys that are in camp and assumed that it'll be Kurt Casale and Luke Maley. But I think you know one option is Jesus Sucre, who they picked up in a trade from the Mariners right before spring training. Great reputation as a defensive catcher, tremendous arm. Was one of Felix Hernandez's catchers when he was in Seattle. He'd be a possibility. The other one that's still out there, free agent Matt Wieters. As of at least when we're recording this, we don't know uh, where he's going. He hasn't made a decision yet, but the Rays have made an offer. I've reported that, and I think obviously it'd be an interesting fit if they can work that out. And the guy you featured on Monday, Ricky Weeks, could make the roster too. Can't forget him. We can. I just wrote a big story about him. Good point. So, you know, I think as typical for the Rays, you know, not not everyone really has a chance, but there's probably about 30 guys in play here for those 25 spots or so. We'll be following it closely. I know you will. Topper, thanks very much for joining us on our first edition here in Port Charlotte. Anytime. Just being in Port Charlotte is just so invigorating and thought-provoking as we do this. And hopefully you find Mark Topkin's coverage down in Port Charlotte either invigorating, thought-provoking, or maybe a bit of both. We hope you've also found the same for our coverage. On a daily basis, we include feature interviews with a different player in camp, including one new Rays player who's from Tampa Bay, and that's Lakeland's Ryan Yarbrough, who was traded from Seattle in the Drew Smiley deal. Yarbrough was caught off guard by the move. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a, obviously you don't really know, it's kind of a weird experience, you never really anticipate it, but I was actually at a pitching, uh, like a summit camp at our spring training complex with the Mariners in Peoria, and... uh, our farm director just kind of pulled us aside, pulled me aside, and it's like, hey, like, we were about to, like, start playing catch, like, don't throw or anything. I'm like, oh, okay, like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, like, there's a possibility you might get traded. So I'm like, okay, so I'm just kind of just hanging out for a little bit. Everyone, all my buddies are kind of throwing and everything. And uh, about 20 minutes later, he kind of called me over again, and uh, Jerry DePoto, our GM, was on the phone. He's like, hey, I just want to let you know that uh, we just traded you and uh, appreciate everything you've done for us. So, uh and of all, all teams, it was the Tampa Bay Rays. So it's a really cool experience being from Lakeland. So it was pretty crazy. How many games did you go to as a kid? And what are your memories of going to the ballpark? Oh, I, I can't even imagine. It's uh, I've been to a bunch. Uh, and then my dad probably watches watched basically every game uh, growing up. So I'd always he'd always come in the house when something crazy happened. If I was doing homework or something, to let me know what was going on. But uh, I mean, when they went all through, like, their changes and everything, and uh, I grew up a big Scott Casimir fan uh, with him and James Shields. There's a bunch of guys I grew up watching, but it was just definitely crazy. And uh, I remember James Shields had, like, a really good game one night. I think he struck out, like, 10 or 11. That was probably the most memorable game I went to, but we definitely watched a bunch on TV. Did you ever get to a playoff game or anything of that nature? 
No, we didn't get a chance. Their tickets were just crazy expensive, and they sold out so quick. But we were—I mean, we have like the the World Series gear when they won the championship. Uh, I got it sitting in my room. I remember when I came home after being traded, uh, I just saw it sitting in my room. I'm like, wow. I just totally forgot I had all that. I remember the hats I had. I have the T-shirt. So we were definitely big fans. So obviously you're feeling with some level of excitement because you're close to home. But how much of it also was the reputation they have for helping pitchers? That's like the first thing I heard, uh, especially from a bunch of buddies. And uh, uh, first thing I've talked to them, like told people I was getting traded, it's like, well, they have a great reputation for developing pitchers. So I was super excited about it, uh, especially if, if anybody could help you like improve your game, I'm always for it, whatever they got to say. So uh, I was definitely excited about it, especially like growing up watching Jim Hickey kind of like help all these pitchers and everything. It was, uh, it's, uh, it was pretty crazy. And now here you are in your first big league camp. Before we get to that, give me a little idea further on your background, because I know you went to Old Dominion. You played with Ben Verlander. Did you ever come across Justin, and did you ever pick his brain for any pitching tips? Yeah, so uh, I went to actually Santa Fe Community College up in Gainesville, Florida for two years and then transferred to Old Dominion University and pitched two years there. Uh, I never got a chance to actually see Justin. He never really – he didn't come around when I was there. But uh, being with Ben and everything, he was actually one of the people that texted me like when I got traded saying it was really great news. So I definitely hopefully I see him here. But I only got to play with him one year, but, I mean, because he, he had such a great year and got drafted. Uh, but it's pretty crazy, especially – I was wishing we kind of play in Tiger Town this year, especially growing up in Lakeland. But uh, that's all we we didn't get a chance. So especially when they come down here, it'll, it'll be a crazy, uh, it'll be a good game. I'm looking forward to it. You're a, a left-hander. Were you always someone who wanted to pitch, and was baseball always your sport? Uh, yeah, le- uh, I'm definitely left-handed, and uh, I think pitching happened because I couldn't hit. Uh, but no, I mean, I just kind of grew up uh, liking to pitch, and especially from a young age, that's kind of what I uh, lean towards. And are there lefties that you emulated growing up? You mentioned Casimir, you know, growing up a Rays fan. Are there others? Yeah, it's um, some pretty different ones. Obviously, normally the ones are like Randy Johnson and all like the, the big flamethrowers. I mean, I do like Randy for sure. But, yeah, Casimir was one guy. Uh, but one guy I really like emulated from like – I remember I had a coach who's like, uh, just look at this guy and what he was doing was Mark Burley was uh, one of the guys. Just kept competing. Doesn't have like overpowering stuff but I just knew what he was doing, and that's kind of like where I build my game of. I'm not going to like throw 100 miles an hour or anything, but it's just about mixing speeds and changing locations. We've obviously seen some scouting reports or, or you know, idea. You're coming off a terrific year. Give us an idea of what makes you successful when you are going well in your repertoire. Yeah, so uh, throw a fastball, change-up slider. Uh, nothing really too crazy, but just, as I said, just kind of mixing speeds, pitching, pitching inside. Uh and competing and that was one thing like I just went into every game and it was just like all right like what can I do to just give my team the best chance to win and uh, come out on top and that's kind of what I just did I didn't try to like do anything crazy or strike out a bunch of guys and I think at that place uh, you can be successful and as long as you're having fun you're going to do well. And you were Southern League Pitcher of the Year last year so you obviously had a good year the assumption is you would start in AAA have you even given any thought to how close you are to achieving your dream and being in the backyard of a team that you know you grew up rooting for yeah it's uh it was definitely a great honor to kind of get that southern uh league pitcher of the year and uh especially facing a bunch of guys here uh who was really good i think it was me and him were neck and neck for that but 
I try not to even really look at the stats about it. And our manager kind of came up to me one day. He's like, yeah, like I, I put you in the vote for it. So it didn't even really cross my mind. I was just trying to go out there, and we were trying to win a championship. But, uh, I mean, it definitely kind of helps that like you get that recognition for doing something well. And, I mean, hopefully just get off to a good start again this year. Uh, a bunch of good guys around here, so I'm looking forward to the competition. And where do you want to improve the most? Everything, honestly. Uh, I mean, just going out there and uh, – throwing a little bit more innings I threw about 130 so obviously need to get that up a little bit but um, just overall game you can a little bit learn from anything and we'll see what the pitching coordinators have to say about like what they think I can improve on I'm just pretty eager to learn. Lefty Ryan Yarbrough enters camp hoping this year to make the big leagues for the first time. David Carpenter is trying to make a comeback after briefly appearing in spring training with Tampa Bay last year. His velocity has returned to the mid-90s from last year's 90 to 92. We discussed how Carpenter got his velo back, but first, what led him to sign with the Rays? It's a great atmosphere to be in. The, the group of guys that we have here are, you know, it's a special group. Um, everybody gets along, everybody pulls for each other. It's just a good atmosphere to be in, and, you know, I got to experience that a little bit last year, and when the opportunity came to come back here, I, you know, basically jumped on it. You had, um, I would guess for you, what a challenging year for guys who had as much big league experience as you had. You went to the Atlantic League for one point. It sounds like you found yourself a little bit again. It was um, it was definitely a trying time, um, but it was uh, an experience I kind of needed to have to, like you said, get back to being myself again. Um, it was tough in the sense of trying to understand what all was going on, basically show I was healthy, um, get the velocity back, all that type of stuff. So it was frustrating in a way um, to have to go through that, but it's it's part of it. And, you know, it, it really made me realize how much I love playing this game. So, you know, you really, you know, you find that again. If, you know, guys are having trouble, you know, understanding, you know, why things go on in the big leagues, I'd tell them, go, go try indie ball for a little while. And then you, you really start appreciating, you know, where you're at. They say the game is humbling, but I, I would guess, or you can be humbled at any point by this game, but I think more so, you know, I, I actually worked in the Atlantic League at one point, so I know it's a, it's a much different lifestyle, much big change. Yes, huge change, and uh, especially after you know, being in a big league setting for so long, and then you go back to that, it's 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 like going back down. You know, at least in the you know, facilities and stuff like that, it's it's tough adjustment. But you know, like I said, you learn you know why you're there. You you know remember the reason you're there because you love being there. And, uh, you know, that was, that was important to me, you know, put me back in the right frame of mind and allowed me to, to get where I need to be. It sounds like the help of a football helped you find yourself. Of all things, yeah. Um, Jesse Litch was a pitching coach I had up there. Um, of course, he had pitched for a while with Toronto, and he's uh, pretty familiar in this clubhouse. I believe he was a bat boy for the Rays. And, um, you know, we'd throw a football and stuff just kind of as uh, conditioning. Well, I started throwing that one. Next thing I know, arm slot starts climbing back to where it you know originally was. So, continue to do that in the off season. Felt really, really comfortable with it, and um, it helped me to, like I said, get that arm slot back. You know, velocity started coming out. The um, the ease of everything was starting to come back. So I was really, really excited with that. By the end of last year, where were you at? Um, I think I had topped out at 97. I was regularly about 94 to 96, and I think I topped out at 97 a couple times. So getting that back was really, really important. You know, hopefully I'm able to continue that, you know, coming into the spring. I honestly have no idea where I'm at right now because I haven't touched, you know, been in front of a gun since uh, basically September. Was there anything you changed with your off-season routine or anything you did to kind of get ready for this year? Obviously you left 
baseball in a pretty good place last year, it sounds like. Um, just tried to get back to how I was um, in the offseason between 13 and 14 where I felt my best, you know, through the bullpens I needed to, basically just kept throwing. Yeah, and that's one thing that it seems like with some pitchers, they want to take that time off of throwing. But for me, it was um, I wanted to keep throwing because I had that good feeling of where my arm slot was. And I didn't want to take a chance on possibly losing that by taking a month or so off. So I continued you know, to play catch, do all that kind of stuff. Took time off of the mound, you know, not getting up there and, and trying to go 100% or anything. But you know, then it was so much easier once I decided to get back up on the mound to pick that back up again and get back to where I needed to be. And I'm guessing for a guy like you, uh, you know, if you're throwing a fair amount, you're a guy who throws pretty heavy ball. So... Some guys say that, you know, if you're throwing a sinker or a hard, you know, a heavy ball, sometimes you, you're better when you're more, I don't know if more tired is the right word, but but in that mindset? Yeah, uh, you could say that because then you're relying more on your mechanics. You're rely, staying more relaxed because you're not trying to muscle the ball into the zone. Um, and I can honestly say that the, when I have too much time off of throwing, um, whether it be in the season or whatever, you know, being a bigger guy, you try to really muscle the ball in there instead of staying relaxed and just letting it come out, you know, as hot as it can. And um, that's one thing I've learned over the years of once I got converted to pitching, you know, starting to learn my body, what was best for me. And, you know, being used multiple days in a row has always been a good thing for me. You mentioned, you know, the family atmosphere, but how much of it also was about opportunity? Because look, the Rays did not have, uh, you know, a great year from the bullpen standpoint, and there are jobs to be won. Um, that's that's a part of it. Um, you know, there are some guys that have you know done really really well in this bullpen. Um, there's some guys you know fighting for some spots in this bullpen that have had you know really good success in the past. So it's going to be an interesting camp. You know, there's competition here, which is always good. That's going to bring the best out in everybody. Uh, but at the same time, like you said, there's opportunity to for all of us to improve and to improve as a staff is very very important. And um, you know that's where I'd like to be at the end of it. You know, Cash is calling me in there and saying, "Hey, you're you're going to Tampa with us." We wish David Carpenter a lot of luck in this year's camp. You can hear plenty of interviews on our blog, RaysRadio.mlblogs.com. Now, going forward, we're going to have two podcasts a week. We'll have one each week with Mark Topkin and various players featured on our blog, as is included here. Our second podcast will be a replay of our Saturday-slash-Sunday show, which will run prior to each game broadcast. Now, this week will likely feature shortstop Matt Duffy and hitting coach Chad Matola. That podcast will probably be available to you on Monday if you miss it on the network. In the meantime, thanks to Mark Topkin, Ryan Yarbrough, and David Carpenter, and we'll talk to you soon.